Uh, last week, I introduced some thoughts about revival, uh, and um, that was kind of on the heels of Zach's message as well on Fourth of July weekend, and I want to just uh, build on some of those thoughts again today, uh, just thinking about wanting more of God, and what does that mean? Uh, last week, we talked about, you know, what in the world does it mean when we say we want more of God? Don't we have all of God already? And, uh, you know, even as Joe's referring this morning, sometimes, uh, yes, yes, we definitely have all of God, but sometimes he doesn't have all of us. <laughs> you know, so, you know, there's all sorts of meanings to this, to this phraseology, this idea of wanting more of God. And, and I don't know, you know, we want, when your heart connects with that, when your heart connects with that vernacular, of course, we want it to be theologically sound. We want it to be connecting with that which is theologically good. We don't want you thinking that you don't have God, uh, but, we, we, but we want to have it in a frame of reference where we understand kind of what, we're, what it is that we're pursuing and, and, and why there's hunger within us and why that hunger within us is good. How many of you have some hunger within you? So one of the things we said last week uh, that we, we say we want more of God about is because God is inexhaustible. He's inexhaustible. Uh, fact is, you know, in the Old Testament, it says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love Him. And in the New Testament, Paul says the same exact thing, but he says, but the Spirit reveals those things to us. So the Holy Spirit is now revealing. How many of you like that? How many of you like revelation? So we were talking last week how that visitation brings revelation. Revelation brings transformation. How many of you could handle more transformation? Three of you, and they were all right here on the front row. That was good. That was good. The rest of you checked out there just for a minute, but that's all right. Praise the Lord. Visitation brings revelation, which results or should and can result in transformation. Yeah? I want to keep being transformed. I'm, I'm, I'm with Joe. I'm with so many of you this morning that, that I'm so glad God is not done with me yet. So, so one of the reasons we want more of God is because actually God has things to pour out. God has things... Actually, he's got probably some secrets, some mysteries, some answers, some insights, some wisdom, some of his essence that he's actually held back for us to search out in this generation. He's actually hidden. There's secret things about him. And so, you know, the word even says that the secret things, there's secret things hidden for those who fear him, who love him, who, who, who love having covenant with him. So how many of you think God might have some secrets he wants to reveal? Now, we don't want to have this, we don't want to have this revival mindset that God is purposely withholding from us or that goodness is always around the corner and we never get to the corner that is around. Now, that's part of what we, part of what we theologically, we don't want to have such a futuristic view that we never get to the future. Because I truly believe that those who have kind of that camp of mindset uh, continue to sabotage their own revival reality because they never get to the future they keep believing they're getting to. And the better things and the good things are always ahead, but they never are present. 
So we want to have this mindset where we bask in what we have, we rejoice in who he is, we're receiving from him, and we know that there's even more that he wants to dispense and pour out upon us. Amen? And he's inexhaustible. He's inexhaustible. Isn't that amazing? Uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, history, and so I, you know, I just did some historical review coming in the last week's message, uh, you know, just thinking about that we are, even today, we are here, and we are the result of waves of God's glory. You know, Second uh, uh, Corinthians three, eighteen and following there, it says that we go from glory to glory as we behold Him. Hopefully, we'll look at that a little bit more today. But we're here today on the heels of some kind of glory. It's glory, it's waves of glory, that it's, it's a dispensing of God. Uh, many of us here today are, right now, we're here today as a part of a protest movement. The protest movement started in roughly 1517, uh, and that began a great revival. A great revival in Germany and then Scotland and uh, 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 all of the nations around Germany uh, that lasted really for a couple hundred years. It was an, ama- an amazing revival that began. Uh, the Moravians came out of that. There was another wave of glory that hit the Moravians, and they had a prayer meeting with glory that started and lasted 100 years without ever stopping. You want to read about a prayer meeting that was amazing. Uh, and and you think, well, that was probably a lot of work. Well, I'm guessing it probably wasn't. I'm guessing that the burden of the Lord is light and his yoke is easy. Otherwise, they would have never made it a 100 years. There was a grace on them that was moving them. And because of the Moravian prayer meeting, there was such a grace of revival that was sent out. And it was a sending grace on them for prayer where they saw God moving throughout the nations. God moving in powerful ways throughout the nations. So as God's inspiring you to do things, by the way, there is the power to do those things. As you kind of lean into that, you'll be able to do that with grace. And the burden won't be more than is, is heavy or it won't be something that overwhelms you. The grace will be there as he puts that inspiration on you. Amen? So, you know, waves of glory come. We are here today because of waves of glory. So uh, for us to, to, to realize that there's more of God, even as God has continued to show himself with more. Think about, think about in the early 60s, All of the Catholics, the Lutherans, the Presbyterians, the Methodists, the Episcopalians, who maybe were, you know, in secret meetings crying out for more, crying out for reformation, crying out for renewal, and the Holy Spirit hit them with a great renewal, and millions of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Millions of them were brought into a charismatic renewal that swept through all of those ecumenical churches. It's still affecting those churches today. I told you last week, there's 260 million spirit-filled Catholics worldwide who pray in spiritual language, who lay hands on the sick, who speak in tongues, who practice all of the gifts of the Spirit, who, who are frequently slain in the Spirit when they pray for one another. True Pentecostals. Hello, somebody. 
That's because of God wanting to do new things and wonderful things. So we want to continue to seek God. Uh, And part of why I said to you last week that we want to continue this hunger, this thirst for more of God. Also, another reason that I believe is is critical and what I want to talk about today is that we are progressively transformed by His Word. We are in a progressive transformation, so we ourselves need a greater revelation of who He is and who He's made us to be. How many of you could say amen to that? So Paul prays this prayer over the Ephesians, and I told you last week, this is a prayer that all of us could pray. This is a prayer that that Papa Hagen told people to pray for 30 or 40 years, a prayer that he prayed for probably 20 years, uh, uh, just seeking the Lord, asking God, and it's out of Ephesians chapter 1, asking God to pour out upon him a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, a spirit of wisdom and revelation that he would know the hope of his calling, that he would know the inheritance that we have in the saints, that he would know the power we have, those of us who believe. It's a great prayer. It's not, that we, it's not that we enter into more as we pray these things. It's that we realize what we've entered into. And when we realize what we've entered into, then we enter into more. Did I mess with you right there? See, actually, our partaking, our partaking of the goodness of God, our partaking of our sonship, our partaking of who he's made us to be, it is interrelated to our soul and our spirit coming into agreement. And right now, your spirit knows everything, but your soul doesn't. And so to have a unified heart, the soul and the spirit must come into agreement. Have you ever had your spirit man say one thing? That's the witness of Jesus on the inside. Have you ever had your spirit man say one thing and your soul say a contrary thing? Has that ever happened with any of you? I always like to use the illustration of giving because that's usually where I choke a little bit, right? So the Holy Spirit says, oh, just just make that a $500 check and... And my soul says, 500, are you crazy? I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. What demon has come upon me? Or something like, oh, thank you for that. Oh, uh, yes, uh, 250 sounds perfect. So, you know, sometimes we have that contradiction within and, and what that contradiction within, it's showing us, in fact, is let's go over to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 for fun, and I didn't bring a Bible on the platform. Okay, so we'll, we'll pretend we know it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, you can probably uh, maybe find it for us. Thank you, Daniel, for helping us on the projection. Uh, we try not to torment the projection team too much, otherwise you won't volunteer for that position. And so we, uh, we love you, Daniel. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to pierce the heart, is able to bring a division, or it's able to bring a division to the soul and the spirit. Here it is for the word of God living Active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Why in the world would we want the soul and the spirit divided? So you can tell what's of God and what is not. 
The word of God will always show you what is of God and what is not. The word of God brings insight to your heart. Okay? And where the, where the Holy Spirit is dwelling, we know in Romans chapter 8, 14 through 16, that the testimony of spirit is to your spirit. We know in John 3, 3 through 5, what is born of spirit is spirit. Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can I get born again? What in the world are you talking about? Because Jesus says you can't even enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And Nicodemus is like, I'm confused. How am I born again? Can I enter back into mom's womb? And he says, no, no, you're missing it. It's a spiritual birth. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, we know we are tripart beings. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. Now, here, Paul is telling us, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4, if you can, real quick. I want you to see in Hebrews chapter 4, Paul is showing us, reiterating us, helping us to see that the heart of man, we're talking about the spiritual heart, we're talking about the internal heart, not the blood pumper, but the heart of man that the Bible talks about, the inner man of the heart, often Paul refers to this inner man, is made up of the soul and the spirit. It's the spirit where the testimony of Jesus lives. The soul is a part of your heart as well. So when there's division in your heart where the soul brings a testimony contrary to the testimony you're hearing of that regenerated spirit, that born-again spirit, that living voice of Jesus within, then James would even say maybe you have a double mind. That is, is that the two are not in agreement with one another. And if you can't bring the soul to agree with the testimony of Jesus, when you hear that testimony, be it out of the Word, have you read the Word, and all at once the Word became alive to you? You, you were kind of reading through your devotions, reading through a scripture, you were hearing something, maybe even here in church, or but somehow you're exposed to a scripture, and that scripture comes alive, and you understand it, and there's life in that scripture. Has that happened to anybody? So when that happens, when that happens, that's the Holy Spirit giving you insight, and, and He's helping us so that we will receive that, and if there's contradiction, then we bring that contradiction under the obedience of that word, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, right? We're aware of our thoughts. We take every thought captive because the word, the word is richer, more life-giving, more transformational than our own thoughts that contradict what we're hearing from the Word or from the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that? Now, this is, this is why we need more. By the way, this is why we need more. Uh, we need more of the Lord because we need more transformation. And transformation comes through the Word, even though you're born of the Spirit. Now, born of the Spirit means that Jesus has qualified you because you've accepted him as Savior, you've accepted the payment that he's made before Father, the offering of his blood before Father, the sacrifice on the tree for you. Because of that acceptance, now you're born of the Spirit, so you have the witness of him within, and should you die right now, you're ready to go to heaven. 
you're not ready to live heaven on earth. You're just ready to go to heaven. Okay? This is why we, we tease you. We say that baptism is for people who plan on living. If you don't plan on living, you don't need baptized. Jesus is on the cross. He turns to the thief beside him. The thief believes in him, and he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't need to be baptized in water. He wasn't going to plan on living. Baptism is for a sanctified life. Old theologians, the theology past would call what I'm talking about today sanctification. That is, we're presenting ourselves crucified in Christ that we might also live resurrected in Christ. We're identifying with the death of Jesus as death to our sinful nature that we would live a new life, that we would learn what it is, that we would learn. We're actually learning. Your soul is in a learning process. This is why I need more of Jesus. My soul is still learning. My my soul is still receiving knowledge about him, knowledge, and, and, and what's crazy cool is that he is your identity. Jesus is the fountainhead of the new creation. You are no longer related because of the cross, because of death to the sinful nature, you are no longer related to Adam. You are now related to Jesus Christ, the last Adam, who started a brand new race of humanity. Do you believe that? And so that's, that's what's cool, is that that yes, he is Redeemer, yes, he's Savior, uh, yes, he is forgiveness, all of that, but he's also the image of who you are becoming. He is the image of who are, you are becoming. So everything, down to walking on water, down to multiplying bread, down to loving the unlovely, everything that he is, you are becoming that image. That's the will of Father concerning you. What is the roadblock? What is the problem? What keeps us from becoming? It's that soul we're talking about up here. The other part of our heart, not the spirit part of your heart, okay, but the soul part of your heart, and this is why the New Testament spends the majority of its time talking about the elements of the soul. The New Testament just goes on and on and on. The writings of Paul, the writings of John, the the writings of Scripture speak continuously about the, the, the issues of the soul, the elements of the soul, the mind, will, emotions, reasoning, and imagination. Constantly addressing. Why doesn't it address the Spirit? Because there's no need to address the spirit where Jesus now dwells. Your spirit is doing really good right now. But your soul is in transformation. And that's why we want to say, we want to continue. When we get up in the morning, we want to say more, Lord. Why? Because he's got wisdom for today. He's got insight for today. He's got transformational words for today. And his word is so powerful. It is not, it is not just Type set on a page. It is not just illumination on a screen. His word, John 6, 63, he says, My word is spirit and my word is life. 
By the way, this is why the enemy is working so hard to keep you away from the Word of God. This is why, this is, this is, have you ever had the spirit of slumber come over you? Pastor, I can't believe you would talk about such silly things in church. Well, it's not silly. Why is it every time you go to read the Word of God, suddenly you start falling asleep? You can watch any television show. You can listen to any music. You're fully aware, alive, alert, and everything as well. But as soon as you start reading the Word of God, does that ever happen to anybody? Sometimes you've got to just kind of push through that. Sometimes you've got to overcome that. I don't know if I'm the only one that has to defeat sometimes a visitation of a spirit of slumber. I don't know that it's an indwelling spirit. I think it's a hovering cloud that comes into the room to keep you from the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is spirit and it is life. It is transformational to your soul. And if your soul does not come into agreement with the voice of Jesus in your spirit, man, then you will not have perfect faith. And if you don't have perfect faith, you cannot move mountains. You will not see the fullness of what God has for you. You will not come into full sanctification. You will not develop into all that He's ordained for you, even though He ordained it. He's already ordained it for you. But it's the Word of God. We have to get into the Word of God. We have to be renewed. Yes? Let's go over to uh, a, a verse that we are very familiar with. Let's go over to Romans chapter 12. Let's see if I wrote it down. I don't know that I did. Did I even put it on your... I didn't even... Daniel! Daniel, what am I doing to you? This is terrible. Romans chapter 12. Can you go there? Let's see if you can go there. Romans chapter 12. This is a passage that we're all so familiar with, right? And it talks about being transformed by renewing our mind. We are transformed. Now, that's crazy because you're thinking, I'm already transformed. I'm already a new creation. I'm already one with God. Yes, legally true, but there are many legal realities that we don't necessarily enjoy that do not come to manifestation, that we don't see actually coming into fruition in our lives until we follow or unless we follow what God has prescribed as this methodology. One of these critical keys is, and let's go to verse chapter, verse 2, Daniel, verse 2 of chapter 12, one of the, and do not be conformed to this world, and we might say to this world's way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, we can, we can browse through that. We can go through that so quickly that we miss what Paul is saying. How do we get our mind renewed? Why do we need to get our mind renewed? We get our mind renewed through the Word of God. Yeah? Somebody was telling me just the other day, wow, I think I experienced deliverance, and I don't know what was happening. I mean, I was just having a conversation with somebody, and they started talking about this particular situation, and all at once, freedom happened to me, and all, 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 I was just in the conversation with them. What do you think happened? I said, well, it was a John 8, 31, 32 moment. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What happened is, as you heard their testimony, something within you said, I want that, I appropriate that, I desire that, and when that happened, you 
saw the truth, accepted the truth, received the truth, and the error, the lie, the deception that was dwelling in your soul had to go. It was dismissed. It was gone. Christians, we get deliverance all the time and don't know it. One of the best ways for you to get freedom and deliverance is get into the Word. Read the Word, agree with the Word, rehearse the Word, meditate the Word, love the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God, and you'll find that you're getting more. You're getting more of Him. You'll find that it's actually working transformation within you. Don't let yourself be kept from the Word of God. It is the key, and the word here, you know this, out of the Greek here in the text, transformation means metamorphosis. You'll literally be turned into that caterpillar thinking, right? That caterpillar manifestation, reality, shortcoming. It doesn't mean that you're not born of the Spirit. It doesn't mean you're just a big caterpillar. It means that you, where there's, where there's less than that which is yours, less than the new creation reality that belongs to you, you will experience a transformation when your mind comes into agreement with the Word of God. Your mind must come into agreement with the Word of God for you to experience a butterfly lift, a lift of transformation, a metamorphosis. Amen? This is what John was talking about, by the way, in this simple verse in 3 John chapter 2, 3 John 2, where he says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and that you are in health even as your soul prospers. Why did he attach it that way? He had to. He had to. He couldn't say, Beloved, I pray that you prosper and you're in health. Unequivocally. He couldn't do that. Prosperity of health, prosperity of life, prosperity of all that concerns you has everything to do with the prosperity of your soul in the Word of God. The lack of prosperity in your soul is hindering your full tasting, walking out, enjoying what God has for you, what God's ordained for you, what God's desired for you, what God's already bestowed upon you in Jesus. We can be, we can be those who've been brought into the very essence of the Lord, the very essence of the family of royalty, literally made one with the Son, joined to the Son, and not enjoy it if our soul is saying no. If the voice, if the mindset, if the imagination, if the emotion of the soul is saying no, then we will not taste of the very things that belong to us. Isn't that crazy? So, Third John 2, Beloved, I pray in all respects you may prosper and be in health. Oh, and by the way, it will happen as your soul prospers. As your soul prospers. As your, how come he didn't say as your spirit prospers? Your spirit is very prosperous. Your spirit is so prosperous, the voice of the Lord is in your spirit right now, and he what do you, you know what he's looking for? He's looking to leap and to bear witness to the Word which will train your soul. The Word is what renews and trains your soul. 
The Word, the Word, the Word of God. The Word of God renews and trains your soul. Let's go over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And verse 21. I want to start at 21 and we'll read on through a little bit. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the Word implanted. This is crazy. He's saying the word needs to get implanted. Now, he says that because there's this scriptural understanding with all of the New Testament writers that the word of God is a seed. The word of God is a seed, and it contains within it the power to replicate the nature of God within you. So he wants us to receive the word implanted. He wants us to humbly open up our hearts. Jesus talks about four kinds of soil. We can have a hard heart. We can have a stony heart. He talks about four kinds of soil. Only one heart receives the word. A humble heart receives the word. In other words, when you read about Jesus, when you read about his identity, his nature, his being, his essence, when you read about him, your heart needs to say, that's me. Your heart needs to open up and say, that's my nature. That's what I receive. That's who I am. That's what I, it's not only what I want, it's actually the very essence of who I am. This is a humble heart, okay? Most of the times we're running around unknowingly with a hard heart. That is, we keep declaring that the old creation is who we are. Oh, that's my anger coming through, right? Or that's my, that's, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's my allergies. That's my, and when we make these references, hopefully we're making references to an old creation that, that we're putting to death. Yeah? As Joe was doing this morning, hey, something flared up. I know that's not of me. Something showed up. I know that's not the new creation. So I'm going to quickly deal with that. But if we are giving, if we're empowering the old nature, If we're empowering the old nature by making that our confession, wow, that's a dangerous place. We're not going to taste of the fullness of what God has for us. We need to receive the word in humility. This is my new nature. This is who I am. And it's able to, the word is able to save your souls. Now, this is weird because he's talking to Christians who are already saved. But you'll notice he differentiates. He's not talking about salvation to the Spirit. He's not talking about regeneration. He's talking about sozo is the word in the Greek. He's talking about a regeneration of your soul. Why do you need your soul regenerated? Because when you're born of the Spirit, your soul begins to receive salvation progressively as you learn the Word as you read the Word, as you learn who you are, as you learn what He's done, as you, in humility, say, yes, yes, that's my, I'm loving, I'm patient, I'm kind. By the way, when you read of the fruit of the Spirit, claim the fruit of the Spirit, because that's your new identity. Don't keep saying, I'm so impatient. That's the person that you put to death. You crucified, I'm so impatient. Remember? I'm so impatient has been put to death You are one who is patient and steadfast. You bear fruit with perseverance. That's your nature. Come on, that's you. 
And that's what it is to receive the word in humility, which is able to save your souls. Now, he goes on to give us a parallel view of 2 Corinthians 3.18, where he says that when we look at Jesus, it's like looking at a mirror. This is what 2 Corinthians 3.18, so we got, Paul says it over in Corinthians, and now James is going to say it here, the brother of Jesus. And I think that's pretty crazy. If you're looking at your brother... With this kind of reverence, the you un, then you, you actually were, you were there. James was there when he went up in the clouds. There were 500 witnesses. He knows that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the resurrection and the life. And so he says, and let's go on to verse 22, prove yourselves, prove that you can be doers of the word and not hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer... He is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty. By the way, what is the law of liberty? Jesus is the law of liberty. And abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in whatever he does. So he says, when you look at the Word, you're actually looking at Jesus. When you look at Jesus, realize you're looking at a mirror of who you are. Don't walk away and forget, where was that birthmark? Where was that pimple? What was that eyebrow doing? Grandpa Bob's eyebrow, get out of my forehead. Okay, and sometimes we walk away and we forget that, like there were four hairs up here, we forgot to get with the razor. Right? We walk away from the mirror and we forget what we just saw. And he's saying, don't do that with the Word. When you look at the Word, remember that's your nature. Remember that's who you are. Look at it intently. Receive it in humility so that you can walk it out and bear the fruit of the new creation that you've become. In doing so, you will be not only receiving the more of God that has the transformational grace within it, but you'll be manifesting more of God. You are now Emmanuel. You are now Christ with us. Come on, let's stand this morning. Holy Spirit, this is why we want more of you. Because we want the inexhaustible grace of God. We want the inexhaustible word of God. We want the essence, the nature, the DNA of Jesus to flood our own soul. We want souls that are transformed. We want minds that are fully renewed. Lord, we, we want... We want and we position ourselves even this morning. Would you begin to do this as I'm praying? To position your heart with humility. Position your heart with humility. Lord, I mean, even asking that you will show us arguments within the mind, will, emotions, reasoning, imagination. You will show us the arguments that we've put up that are keeping a full, unified heart from coming forth. A heart that will move mountains.
a heart that will overcome obstacles, a heart that will bring forth the new creation, a heart that will cause and enable the breaking of bread, the multiplying of food, the multiplying of resources, the walking on things that shouldn't hold us up. Holy Spirit, show us. Show us, show us, show us. We think of our soul this morning. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man will not live by bread alone. Our soul is hungry. Our soul is thirsty. Our soul is yearning. Our soul wants more. Our soul wants more. We ask that you would transform us. That you would feed us with bread from above. Come on, just put up your hands all across the auditorium. Just ask him to feed you with manna from above. All across the auditorium. Let's just open our hearts to him. Lift up our hearts. Lift up our hands. We need manna from above. We need manna from above. We ask you to feed us. Feed us. Feed us. Feed us on the words of Jesus. Feed us, Father, on the essence of your Son. Feed us on who you've made us to be. Feed us on the new creation that you brought us into. Feed us on the inheritance that you have already set. The table you've set. For the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. restores my soul. The Lord restores my soul. Makes me a table in the midst of my enemies. Comforts me. The staff leads me with his rod. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall have no wants. I shall have no wants, but I shall have a restored soul. I shall have a restored soul. I shall have a restored soul. Lord, grab. We ask you to grab scripture. We ask you to grab help. We ask you to grab resource. We ask you to grab friends. We ask you to grab provokers. Send us the word. Send us the word. Send us the very word that we need. The very word that we need for a renewed mind, for a restored soul. Send us the very word that will shift us, that will shift us, that will bring transformation, that will take us out of where we've been, where we've been limited, where we've been harmed, where we've been held back, where we've been sabotaged, even in our own mind, where we've said no and where we've argued. We ask you to grab sin. Develop, bring forth the word that transforms. We love your word. We love your word. We love your word. And ask the prayer team to come and just make themselves available as we leave this morning.